Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. It is uh, Locked on Mavericks for Friday, February 24th, episode number 91. And I think the previous 90 episodes all came together at one moment and uh, brought us a beautiful present on uh, trade deadline day in the form of... I was going to get his middle name, but I don't think he has a middle name. <laughs> yeah. The 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 Nerlin Wall. Nerlin's Noel. My god. You can thank us. You can send us uh cash. We'll take Venmo, PayPal, whatever you're into. Uh we'll make it work, but uh Jake, we did it. We I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and edit myself and say we did it. Yeah, you can you can beep it. Like yeah. and, I, and I was trying to think about it this week, like when I became um, so like enamored with. By the way, I can't do anything about the dog barking today. Like if there's a dog, <laughs> if there's a dog barking today, I can't, you're in uh, Chile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's so. seven, it's seven fifteen where I'm at on a Friday night. It's it's lit like liturgy down here. People are. Uh, <laughs> it's a different world. Um, Dedicated but, to the brand. Dude, I'm so bummed out I hadn't been at work the last couple of days, at least on that front anyways, because I don't really remember when I got like obsessed with the idea of him coming here, but mm-hmm. leave all the histrionics of our bet aside, I'm obsessed with the 76ers. Like, yeah. Part of the reason that I wanted to make that bet, and obviously I'm going to lose it, but it was that they seemed to have just this penchant for losing that meant they were going to just continue to draft players based on, like, they'll be good five years from now. Like, they didn't care at all that he was going to miss his entire, you know, NBA freshman year. Same thing with Embiid, kind of the same thing with Simmons. But even before Embiid played this year, it seemed to me that from the second they drafted him, well, really just like as a dispassionate observer, Joel Embiid has a much higher ceiling than Nerlens Noel. Like, even watching him in college, you're like, okay, Embiid is like a top five player in the league. Noel is mm-hmm. like a potential all-star at his position. Yeah, Embiid like, looked like Olajuwon, and Noel looks like an AAU big man, like just how they look now. Let's say he's Tyson Chandler, which would be amazing. Like he's, I could tell from the second they drafted Embiid, okay, that's their guy. Mm-hmm. So it always seemed pretty clear to me that Noel was going to be too good to be a backup, but that he couldn't play with Embiid. And Okafor mm-hmm. is like a whole other disastrous, uh, disastrous uh, pick and viewing picks as assets as opposed to actual players who have to play together. But I guess I'm saying 
before I even saw Embiid play as well as he did or has, you know, since he was, you know, since he was put on the floor this year, I knew they're going to have to move Noel. And by the nature of having Embiid and then, of course, having Okafor, they're going to have to move Noel for less than he's worth. Like, this has been super clear to me since basically they picked Embiid. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. In my opinion, I've, I've just, like, always known someone is going to fleece them for Noel um, unless they want to pay him $15 million a year to be a backup, which I guess they could. But if he can't play with um, Embiid, which I, I, we can get to that in a second, my thought was they're not going to pay him as much as someone else will by the time his deal is up. Because if you miss your first year, you're already you only have three years of cost control before you're an RFA. I knew they were not going to pay him whatever somebody else would pay him to be a starter to be a backup. The the Okafor part is the real bugaboo, right? Because if you don't draft Okafor and you take even, say, Porzingis or Moutier or, you know, fill-in-the-blank other guy that got drafted after Jalil Okafor, it's not even a problem really to me. Like, you can figure out minutes for two centers roaming around, and Embiid is flexible enough where you don't have to play him out of the post. And I think you can find a way to make it work. But once, to me, you said Embiid and the Embiid draft was the signal to you. I, it wasn't for me. It might I might have missed something. But uh, I think Okafor getting thrown in the mix, and everyone knew his problems whenever he got drafted. That was the insane thing to me. I was like, they're going to end up dealing Jalil Okafor. Um, and that looked like what was going to happen. And then... Um, no, they turned the six overall pick into uh, two seconds. <laughs> okay, let me say this. You can get by with having, all right, we're going to have both these centers on our roster and we're going to try to find a way to find minutes for them. Maybe five minutes a game they play together. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's, you know, 12 other minutes where Embiid's not on the floor or, you know, 15, we'll give those to Noel. That's fine until he's a restricted free agent. That's only fine in his first contract. When rubber meets the road, and this summer, someone offers him, you know, four years at 17 a year. You have to decide whether or not you want to play him 18 minutes a night for $17 million a year. So I really don't think that was ever feasible. Okafor ostensibly could play with Embiid, although I think Okafor is just not very good. Like, I just don't, I don't think he's a starter. I don't, I mean, he came into the league right at a time where if you couldn't stretch or you couldn't defend the rim, you don't really have a job, uh, at, yeah. least, at least with a first unit. So, And there's he, nothing wrong with being an Ennis Cancer. Like, that dude's really valuable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he makes 17 a year, but he made 17 a year because he was being added to a team at the time with Serge Ibaka and, yeah. Steve, and Stephen Adams and even further down the line, they had other bigs. Whereas in Philadelphia, I look at it and I'm like, okay, you're going to have a really hard time making this work if you're going to pay your backup five to the guy that you want on the floor more than anyone else in Embiid, your backup mm-hmm. five is going to make what? Somebody would have paid Noel. Four for 80. I think his max is probably like 22 a year. And I know that, that makes a lot of people bristle, but you really have to continue to reset your – he's going to get 25% of the cap. Yeah. That's going to be his offer. So if, you I know, think it's somebody, projected almost 110. Right. So, so you know, 27 actually. But whatever, it's this percentage of the cap. It doesn't matter. But even if somebody offered four for 80, does Philly really want to look at themselves and say, I can only really carve out 18 minutes a night for this guy, and five of them are yeah. suboptimal, 
and pay him $20 million a year. And I just never really believed they were going to do that. So I think they would have been better off trading him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, worse, but, but, you know, they hadn't well, seen him beat yet. Somebody, somebody could have extended him last year or even right. earlier in the season. If right. they would have traded him before uh, October 31st, somebody could have uh, offered him, you know, the five-year extension and just let him make that five or whatever he was making this year and then put the years on top. And it would have made – they would have gotten better value. And right. that's kind of my that's kind of my point about drafting Okafer is not only do you have to figure out how it actually works for you and how it works in the contract, you're not being able to show off one of your top five assets in Nerlens Noel and Joel Embiid at the same time because your Okafer is in the mix as well. So if you have a chance to show off both these dudes um, and give them a little bit more run, people know what they are, and you have more than a, a better offer than a conditional first that turns into two seconds and Justin Anderson, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, dude, he missed his first year. He played 31 minutes a night his second year, 29 his third year, or first and second, I guess, you know, but he missed his first. And then this year he's playing under 20. So when back in the offseason, whenever I think he called uh, – dude, he's not afraid to say what he thinks, and we can get to that in a second. But before the year he was like, this is ridiculous that we have three centers. And then when they played him eight minutes a night whenever he got cleared – for his like second game back, he was like, "This is bullshit. Y'all need to figure this out." And I don't blame him, dude. Like, no, I don't either. You, you already sat it a whole year. You took a year off my career, which is fine. It's kind of how it works. But once you get past that hump, you're like, "Let's go. Yeah, let's do this." I and, can help this team or some team, but this is not the military. NBA players have the right, right to say, "Like, it's dude, a players' I, league." Yeah, like, I'm averaging no 16 and 10 per 36. Get my ass on the floor or get my ass to another team. You have the I think, right, I think, to say that. Listening back to his uh, his Woj podcast, his Woj interview, it kind of struck me that like they were making – it seemed like there was an issue halfway through the summer, and he went and started practicing in uh, either Boston, I think it was. Um, and he was practicing with the team the first half of the summer. There was something that happened halfway through the summer – and he, the second half of the summer, he went away from the team after Sam Hinkie got replaced and uh, started practicing, like, outside of the team facility. And I'm assuming what happened is they were, he went in there and, like, we're full steam ahead, right? We're going to, this is the year, me and Embiid, and we're going to work Okafor in, and there's going to be minutes for everybody, and we're going to be better, and we're going to win, you know, maybe 30 games. Let's see what happens. And I guarantee you they, in that meeting, he got wind of, or they said to his face, like, we're going to ease you in. Yeah. We're going to see how, we're gonna see how this works. Um, easing you back in, and we're going to do this for another year. Yeah, actually, your... you'll play five games in 2016. Yeah. Um, and in 2017, we'll slow roll you at about 22 a night. Yeah, and I, I guarantee you, he got super pissed off. And he said, well, I'll see y'all whenever the season starts. Um, coach, I'll talk to you whenever I need to talk to you. The rest of y'all, y'all aren't, y'all aren't my people. Like, you're not Sam Hinkie. You're not the guy that said you would never trade me. And now you're doing this to me again, and get me out of here. You know, and I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. And I don't think we have an, a, an appropriate grasp for how third world country Philadelphia probably feels to a guy like that. Dude, especially two years ago. And, and I feel like at the start of the year, whatever, it's not like I really had to sell you on Noel, but I think you at least had some of the same concerns that you've heard for years. I mean, the first, you know, right when he got drafted, he was hurt. But also mm-hmm. you heard that like, oh, he's got hangers on. He's got... Like he's, yeah, he's got he like got, this scene sued. around him. Yeah, he yeah. got sued for <laughs> trash in a place. Yeah, 
or whatever. He was 18. And then if you want to talk about the worst possible situation for an NBA player to go into, 2013 Mm. Philadelphia, whenever you're not playing in any games for an entire year when you're 19. Like, you don't have vets. You don't have Mm. to really even be there every day. Like, you're going to – I mean, that's – I'm surprised he's ended up he's ended up as dedicated to the craft as he has four years in because yep. year one, it was an absolute, it was a disaster. So yep. I think once I sent, like once you heard that Woj interview, that's when you fully turn the corner and we're like, all right, like some of this stuff is just circumstantial. You're in a bad situation. You're 19. You might be a little mm-hmm. bit of an idiot. And then like you start playing every night and you grow up. Yep. And I feel like that's what happened to him. I don't I don't I feel like he does care. I feel like he wants to play. Like I feel like he loves the game. And three yeah. years ago there were a number of people, dude, even this year, Woj before that podcast had reports that he references in that interview where he's like, you know, there's a lot of people that still think that you're kinda iffy on whether you want to play. Yeah, he's like Woj was talking about him. I mean, I feel uncomfortable now listening to it because Woj was talking as if he got like arrested for like possession or something yeah i'm like he was late to some meetings when he knew he wasn't gonna play that season yeah at 19 and 20 he was late a bunch (laughs) yeah yeah and you he he didn't feel like he was in the nba like i can imagine like from the age 12 i have one goal it's to get in the league it's to be a part of this league it's to be a part of everything i've dreamed of and then i get here and like i'm not even in the nba like i'm making money like i'm cashing checks but i'm not playing I'm not a part of the team. My team's a joke. Uh, I'm completely separate from this team. And I feel like you're – I mean, you, you've you loved Nerlens for a while. I mean, one, because he's a sixer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and your affinity for them. So I'm not saying, like, your love for him was, like, a blind trust love affinity out of nowhere. But mine started whenever I realized what the what the center market was. And yeah. And the, center, the centers Very that you could – so. The centers that you could actually get your hands on um, – this no, even, even in the draft. Yeah, even in the draft, all of it. Like the best, if you throw this pool of players that can play the center position for you uh, going into next season into a room, like he stands out like no other uh, to me. And I'm always a dude that's going to bank on upside. I will pay for upside every single time, um, even if it's in restricted free agency. And I'll take that shot. I still don't regret like even the Chandler Parsons thing. Like what's there to regret about that to me? Like there's nothing. Um, because you banked on upside, you banked on a dude getting a bigger opportunity and shining and figuring out his superpowers, and Parsons didn't work exactly, but Barnes is working exactly. Yeah. And that's how, that's how you get – that's how you take a team that isn't going to take a, um, you know, a conservative old-school approach um, or that is taking a uh, conservative old-school approach and make them um, a quick rebuild team by banking on upside and being willing to pay – that sunk cost of an extra couple million because you know you're going to do it in restricted free agency for the peak of guys' careers. Yeah, I'd, I'd, re- I'd rather do it for a dude's 23 through 28 than I would his exactly. 28 through 33. So, I mean, yeah. also, like, what you're talking about, about the way you're building, we don't really have – I've always said that if there was going to be a three- or four-year period, like a prolonged period where they were losing 50 to 60 games a year, Mark would probably just sell the team. Like, yeah. I don't really know how many NBA teams have gone through that and kept the same ownership group. So they've been doing it. It doesn't pl- happen. It doesn't it really doesn't happen in any sport. And when teams like, fall the hell off, like they get uh, maybe out. Maybe in like, baseball. That's what, yeah. Yeah, baseball maybe because, I don't know, that just seems like it's such a 
owners are so like step away in baseball. You know what I mean? And because um, you can just write a check and get good again in eighteen months. In the NBA, oh, you have exactly. to kind of figure it out. So I, I just thought, look, it, they're not going to be able to just buy their way out of this. Mm-hmm. They don't really have the patience because of the culture and the expectations of a fan base over two decades. They're going to have to get creative. And I look around the league, and you know, a couple years ago, my uh, my idea was Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Which is like, I'm not saying that Dennis Schroeder is like an all-NBA player, but I think he's he's going to end up being pretty good. He's got his own character concerns. Um, he was a backup, and I'm like, look, if you want a guy like that yeah. is kind of already on his way, and you may have to not – you may only get a year and a half to evaluate him before you have to pay him as opposed to what you prefer, which is four years. But mm-hmm. a guy like that, you know, like a guy like yeah. that who has got high side <laughs> – and, and the way I look at it, like you're talking about the center market, if Noel was uh, in this year's draft and attached to his name, it said, but you have to pay him an NBA second contract right when you pick him, where would he go? And I'm thinking he would still probably go in the top 10. Like even yep. if you knew right away, like the cost control part is over, you have his rights, you know, you can, uh, you can match or whatever, but – you know, he's not cost. Where would he go? Like, there's no sinners in this draft. He would still probably go like sixth, which is where he went, yeah. you know, <laughs> five, four years ago. Yeah. And I can't believe the how little they had to give up. I mean, we talked about, like, could you get away with a top 10 prote- protected pick? You know what I mean? That's what we were like saying that. all year long. Like, at yeah. first, I was like, I'll give you my unprotected first. And you were like, all right, dude, slow down. Right. Top 10 protected. And I'm like, top 10 protected? I'm running out of the room. <laughs> because, because, dude, just look at the – like, even whenever we talk about Malik Monk, like Malik Monk projected to go like 8th or ninth. That nobody even knows – that guy's not even projected to be a starter. Like, he's a very right. good scorer who might be a – so you're telling me right now, would you prefer to have a cost-controlled sixth man or would you prefer to have a pay him what it, whatever it's – whatever for like mm-hmm. – the seventh or eighth best center in the NBA in two years. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. And I mean, that's, we set the line there and they went, uh, they went (laughs) very, 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 uh, very short underneath it. Like they, they dodged that son of a bitch by like quite a few feet, uh, giving up a protected top 18 protected first, which if you just flip it around and think, could the Mavericks get a top 12 record in the league and get out of like the top 18 picks? Not possible. Um, so basically what it turns into is a second this year and a second, uh, next year. And Justin Anderson, which dog, I'm sorry. Like you're cool. I like you. I hope you have a great career, but you, your, your coach, your coach dictated your value whenever he started Dorian Finney Smith over you earlier this season. Yeah, Um, I I still, and I've said this several times, I think doing a daily Mavs pod and like watching every game and doing post game, we probably get a little too into the weeds. I still think like. Some of the same shit we're saying right now was definitely said about Jay Crowder. Probably. Probably I'm not for sure. And totally a lot of, uh, sure a lot of the same was said about Al Farouk Amino for sure. Yeah. I mean, that happens. And they need uh, guys like that. Trust me. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they very much need guys like that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned his per 36 numbers, and I like caught myself like quoting him um, whenever I was on with like Norman Donovan yesterday. Um, so 16 points, nine boards, uh, almost two blocks, almost three steals. That is, um, um pretty much never been done. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's, and, uh, I'm, I, and I know two assists. it's Hakeem. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, uh, 
Okay, as far as uh, players who have averaged 1.6 steals and 1.6 blocks across their first two seasons, it's the Admiral and Hakeem. Wow. And I, I, I do make myself, like, tap the brakes whenever I start quoting per 36 in, like, normal cases because I feel like we've done it for, like, I don't know, like Parsons before or, like, even back in the day, like, Marching Gortat. Or somebody like that, where you're like, oh, they're only playing 20 minutes. What if we stretched it to 36? Like Brandon Wright and people like that. Yeah, but um, on the other side, you have Harden. Oh, exactly. On the other side, there's Harden. And on the other side, I feel like Noel is, like, fresh out of the box. Like, yeah. we just un- we, he's, he's, he's just now getting unwrapped. Because he's basically still a college prospect. Like, he, yeah. went, to, he went to Sixers University for two seasons. Um, and I, I worry about doing that with dudes that have been in the league like four or five years and played like four or five years worth of minutes and you have a baseline, but I don't know what his baseline is. Like there's not, there's not one to me and his defense offensive and defensive ratings this year are stinking awesome. Nah, um, it's, it, it's porno. <laughs> yeah, like he's just a plus he's just 18 awesome. per hundred. Yeah. Um, he's just a really stinking good center and he's springy and he's not even 23 years old yet. And, I cannot – what they've told me over the last 36 hours in terms of taking a big swing, trying to turn something that's bronze into gold and Nerland's Noel and not giving up much for it, and also letting Darren bounce. Like, do you understand, like, the balls that takes? Like, a dude that is playing as well as Darren Williams was playing, you're saying, I'm good. Well, think of it this way. In win shares, like if you were to just think of a, and I, I want to talk lineups with you before we get done. Yeah. In in win shares, if you like thought of it in terms of the subtraction of uh, D will to Yogi, which is <laughs> it, it is something. Yeah. Um, and then right now it the, is. It might not be in a month. And then you took the increase. Yeah, that's a good point. Then you took the increase of, um, you know, whether it's Dirk at the five or Salah getting those minutes, or healthy Bogut to Noel, it's about a wash. Like, yeah. on average, I think they're going to be a slightly better... I probably, I actually think they're probably going to be a little bit better both on defense and offense. Um, oh, uh, dude, I mean... They're, they're just going to be different. Just because we kind of, like, fix the offense with this gadget, it doesn't mean, like, that's a great offense. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah. we, we fixed it by rolling Seth out there, and Seth shooting 48% from three over his last 30 games. And Dirk out there, and Dirk's gonna he's gonna outpoint per possession your center every time. Every um, so we so we have this gimmick that we're using, but just think about the crap they can pull off if they have a six eleven twenty two year old who's super springy setting screens and rolling faster and harder at the rim than anybody else basically in the NBA can. Yeah, like, so think I, think about what that unlocks. I imagine anybody that listens to this show is like pretty aware of this, but. I've seen, like, not many dudes in the last five years of the NBA. And part of it is because, like you said, he is so fresh, who seems so down to rim run. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, he is. That's his whole deal. He is ready to run to the rim. And his uh, field goal percentage from zero to three feet is 72%, which is Tyson Chandler. Um, Yeah. Like, he is his pick and roll numbers. He's in seventieth percentile as a pick and roll finisher at one point one per possession, and that's with look. I love Sauce, but I mean that's with Sauce and TJ McConnell throwing him lobs. Like, yeah, and and it's also with a lot of times he was having to play with Okafor. I still can't yep. believe this number. Like, if you look at NBA Wowie, 
he played 70 minutes, uh, or excuse me, Okafor and Embiid played 70 minutes together and were a, I don't know, about a half of a point negative on the per points per possession side. Mm-hmm. Embiid and Noel played eight minutes together this year. I have 18 for some reason. On on uh oh yes I'm looking at points. <laughs> yeah, I have 18 points in eight minutes and 14 eight minutes. possessions. Wow. And it was a slight positive, but like eight minutes. Like eight. I'm not, I, I, was I'm it? Not even, was that his first game? Uh, that had to be his probably first game, was, right? Yeah, because he played eight minutes that first game, and he was like, "I'm not an eight minute player." And it's it's not even like I'm necessarily saying that I think it, it, that that would have been a great solution for them, but they never even really tried. And so now he's going to get here. And this is where we can, like, shift to and wrap up talking Mavericks. I imagine for the rest of this year, they're going to move Barnes back to the three. I would think um, so. You know, it's only 25 or whatever, 26 games. But mm. to me, you've got to bring Dirk off the bench next year and put Barnes at the four and let Noel yeah. run the paint as a mm. five like he never has before. He's never had – and even if he's playing the five with Dirk at the four – Dirk occupies a different spot than either you know Ja or Embiid does. Like, oh yeah, this is gonna be like a uh, he. This is like him getting to uh, what was the 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 land and land before time they had to get to. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was like the, 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 that was like their entire journey. Yeah, <laughs> was to get there, and then finally they're like, oh god, <laughs> like this is it's so green. <laughs> uh, the it gets to the fern gully. Um, yeah, the thing is, like, I don't know why they didn't use Embiid and him together, because Embiid, Embiid honestly can do a lot of the crap that, like, Dirk can do, just in, like, a, a diet fashion. Mm-hmm. He's like, he, he can be diet Dirk, and I don't know why you wouldn't want him to play that way when Noel's in the court, and then when Noel's off, like, do go back to your, your, uh, working on the block stuff so that you have a complete game. Yeah. Like, it just seems like, I don't know, and I, I know we're gonna end up having to put Seth... Uh, back at six man, and that yeah. feels like um, blasphemy at this moment. But it's probably mm. what's best. It's probably what's best for the team. By the way, um, it, was the, it was the Great Valley. <laughs> the Great Valley. How did I forget that? But also, um, even if you have uh, Seth back at the six man, you also got D Will out of there like log jamming minutes. Oh yeah, exactly. And now, uh, I mean, they're committed to Yogi. Yeah. Like for now, I for for now for the next twenty six games. Um, they're committed to Yogi for sure. And man, I mean, this fixes your rebounding. I would assume the things that, the things that kept getting the Mavericks beaten, um, was spotting the other team 10 plus rebounds every game. I think you probably fixed a lot of that. Um, letting the other team bomb you from three point range. I'm assuming when you slide West back down to the two and Barnes back down to the three, they're long enough to limit that. And we're also just, last in rim protection. Yeah, exactly. Last in rim protect rim protection. You move Seth to the sixth man and he can run point probably um, at like the seven minute mark. Um, like this solves so many things. And yeah, it was super fun that they got away with that lineup that they used um, with Seth at the two and Dirk at the five. But the best version of the Mavericks with Dirk Nowitzki is I mean, it seems pretty obvious when they won a title um, with Tyson Chandler uh, playing at the five and letting Dirk exploit the other mismatches and not necessarily the ones against fives. And there's still going to be minutes there for him to play the five if you want him to. 
um, and against certain teams' backup units, and that's why I mean we've talked about Dirk coming off the bench uh, and raising hell against other teams for for a while. But I mean, it fixes a lot of what is wrong with this team, and I don't just mean this year. Like, I yeah, get I, so we, I'm less but, worried about this year than you know. Oh, exactly. Like I this mean, trade was not for this year. Like I honestly think letting Darren go was kind of a commitment to um, not winning too many damn games. Um, taking taking your lumps a little bit um, because I mean Yogi's gonna do some stupid crap. He's gonna have bad games. Um, it's just gonna happen. And I I love the commitment that they made to him, and I love the idea that they aren't worried about these final twenty six games, and this is about the next four seasons. And yeah. And- if, and I have no doubt that they'll pony up for uh, – Oh, no doubt. And see, really, that's why – that's what this trade comes down to is like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, you're slightly overpaying for Noel. And you might. You might pay like, I don't know, 10 to 15% more than what you would like to pay for Noel. But that's why mm-hmm. you have him because they, did, they weren't going to do that. Yeah. They were just not going to do that. And so I don't think there's any way Dirk plays at 25 next year. I mean, Dirk will waive his player no. option. Or his mutual no. option, they'll fund whatever uh, Nerlens needs. They'll re-sign Dirk for another ten, you know. And at that point, they're probably at I don't know eighty or so. And yeah. you know, they've got cheap options like Yogi and Seth for other guards. And they'll have a most likely they'll have a first round pick this year, and they'll have another. You know, they'll have their exception plus another. Fifteen million dollars for the free agency market. So, I think they, yeah, I think they got two trade exceptions too somehow in this in this deal, um, which might play into a play into a before July trade or whatever before the season turns over. And I'm uh, telling you, dude, between Berea, uh, Yogi, and uh, and Seth, Seth, you're about to turn this into Lob City because this yeah. dude will go up and get anything. Yeah, and and dude. like I said, I'm I, I think Sauce is a is a NBA starter. I like that guy, and I like McConnell. But some mm. of the lobs he would catch from them were thrown into the GD concession stand, <laughs> and he would go up and he would finish it. Like yeah. he he was getting some bad passes, and yeah, I mean NBA.com makes this real easy. Like if you want to just go up on NBA.com and just watch the cutups, if you don't, you know, have, probably have time to watch full games, you can go see. Him finishing the dumbest lobs. And he kind of has a little bit of a jumper now. Like, offensively, he doesn't have much else. I, I mean, I should be clear. I mean, he's not he's, like a versatile offensive player. I, I, I do think you well, should consider him basically a guy who goes to the rim. What a lot of dudes will look at, like, in terms of can you, um, you know, develop at least some kind of just like an elbow knockdown or something like that is free throw percentage. And, dude, he's shooting 69% from the free throw line this year. Yeah. Which is, like, a drastic uptick. It's 10% better than his last full season. So, I mean, he's only 22. I'm not saying he's ever going to be, you know, uh, Pau Gasol from the elbow or anything like that. But, I mean, there's upward mobility in terms of uh, him getting better offensively because he's as raw as can be. And if he's knocking down his free throws at 70%, there's other stuff in there. There's yeah. other stuff inside of his body, inside of his game that he can do. And, I mean, I remember Tyson trying that for, like, one season. <laughs> well, you, well of, you, you would hear people say that, like, in practice, they would see him just take elbow jumpers and hit, you know, 20 of them in a row. Yeah, exactly. And, and then they, he would try, like, one per game. 
Right. But, I mean, there's there's so much untapped stuff left inside of him. Like, and shooting nearly 70% from the free throw line is part of that. And I guess we can wrap up by saying that much like much like the DeAndre situation and much like the Chandler Parsons, whenever we added Chandler Parsons, less, less, to, less to a Parsons extent, um, but the hype was there, I, I guess. A month ago, I would have been embarrassed rolling into a free agent meeting this offseason because they're going to have, what, like $20 million, 20 25 somewhere in there. Dirk will take as little as it takes, uh, I would think. If I would have been embarrassed rolling into a meeting with Kyle Lowry yeah. this offseason and saying, hey, man, Look let's, we come, let's come play some basketball. How about it? Um, but right now, like, this seems pretty fun to be yeah. a Maverick. Yeah. It seems pretty fun to play alongside Nerlens. Got a and couple lottery got a couple lottery picks here. Yeah, exactly. We got, got the, some we of got the cool the, kids. Yeah, we got we got uh we got uh the two thousand ten number one player coming out of high school basketball, the two thousand twelve number one player coming out of high school basketball. I mean, you get to play next to Seth Curry who's only gonna get better, and you get to play like the final couple of years with Dirk. Like and- what else could you want? You know, the thing is, too, and like, all right, I feel like we've covered everything. Dirk needs to go to the bench next year. He's a perfect fit for Carlisle's, uh, Carlisle's offense and that he rim runs and that they mm-hmm. pack the paint and he's fit for that defense. Just from a off the floor standpoint, they both really want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a chance for them to do something else because they were both in roles where they're like, this is not what I signed up to do. And Barnes mm-hmm. is not the type of guy like uh, Noel is to be like, F this, get me in right. the game. But you can know, like, based on comments he's made since he's been here and based on the way that he's developed since he's been here, you got two dudes who really want to be – they want this job. Like, they want yeah. this role. They want this charge. So it's like – And, I mean, if you put Harrison Barnes in Philly, it might be a different situation. Or if you put uh, – Nerlens Noel on the Warriors, he might not say a word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just – it's all about where you are. Very true. I mean, I do think just at a baseline level, Nerlens is mouthier than <laughs> – Oh, for sure. But I don't for mind sure. that because he was in a spot – like, most of his mouthing was about, like, I need to be on the floor. Like, it yeah, wasn't it was about like, wanting hey, to play is... and wanting to be better. Like, that's fine. Like It wasn't blaming someone else. But they, now you have two dudes who, even though they're both kind of in cast-off roles – are now back at a place where it's kind of a situation where, look, this is your team now, and uh, yeah. this is what you wanted. You're both still under 25. You're both going to mm. make a ton of money, and yeah. you, you kind of fit well on the floor together too, so let's do and this. And you're going to be playing for a team that is always going to give you a chance to win. Yeah. Like always, even, even when they're not supposed to. <laughs> even when they should probably just take their medicine. Like you're going to be in competitive games. And I really, really want um, – I know it sounds weird because Harrison Barnes is 24, about to be 25 or whatever, and uh, he's only been here for, you know, whatever it is, five months. Um, I really want Harrison Barnes to take Nerlens under his wing and say, dude, you want to you wanna take the jump? You want to take the next jump? Um, why don't you be in the gym every time I'm in the gym? Why don't you come hang out with me and work your ass off and we're gonna build something because mm-hmm. that's exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, don't don't so, uh, sleep on Wes's involvement in the uh, true, very true culture. Very true, very true. Yeah, those dudes. I mean, they're gonna get him right. I mean, between them two and Rick, 
and uh, and Dirk, like, they're going to get his head right, and he's going to be, like, I think he's going to kill himself to be great. Like, I would I would really hope so. So, man, I'm fucking excited. <laughs> hey, we did it. I mean, I – We really did I know it. That, I, I know that, like, there were people talking trades and D-Will and Bogut, but – I, I don't know that you could find an outlet or a uh, a vehicle that was banging the drum on this one as hard as we were for like I don't know no. and and, and it it, it extends beyond us starting this podcast like I would bring this up to you every single time I could um, yeah. because of our Sixers tie-in and <laughs> it's just it's super weird I mean you I hope people realize that if they had kept Sam Hinkie, that they wouldn't have made this deal. There's no oh, way Hinkie makes this deal. You know what Hinkie would have done? Hinkie would have signed him and, yep. you know, tried to sign him to a below-market deal and then flipped him on that contract. Yeah. Hinkie would have extended him in October. Exactly. Like, and then try to trade him, try to trade that deal. Yeah. Because exactly. someone probably would have done that with a cap as high as it is. Instead, you end oh, up no getting doubt. 40 cents on the dozen this is a disaster for philadelphia but dude it is it's kind of embarrassing for them yeah like yeah he he clearly told them like he's gone or i mean if they had his restricted free like i don't get it from any angle it's a bad deal philadelphia it's bad but thank deal. you thank you for being complete idiots uh brian colangelo yeah. um well man high five Good this times. is awesome uh um, got a game tonight huh we finally got I haven't, one yeah I haven't, got, like, been, I haven't kept up with the news like is he playing not tonight. He'll play uh, tomorrow night, and I'm on. Uh, I'm on the post game. I'll be in the building. So. Home Nola. Home, yeah. Home. Uh, we the the Nerlin the Nerlin's Wall. Uh, the With debut Boogie. at the AAC against Boogie and AD. It's gonna be. It's gonna be lit. I think it's, it's safe to say. Quite interesting. So gonna have a time tomorrow night. Listen to the post game show if you will. And uh, damn man, we got one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. I'll see you. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17